Good morning. This is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise. And our our podcast this morning is with Sue McDonough. She had called us after the story ran last week on Chuck and Marcia Scott, who had run a Happy Cat Rescue. And I wrote an editorial um, about the need to have cats licensed and similar to dog officers, have them um, also apply to cats. And it turns out Sue has spent a lifetime um, working with the care of animals, but with expertise on the legal side of the issue. So we had so much to learn from Sue, we thought we'd do a podcast so more people than just me could hear about what she has to say. So thank you, Sue, and welcome. Oh, welcome. Thank you very much, and uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on your show, and um, I um, am a retired uh, police officer. I was... Uh, with the state police for 26 years. And um, when you're in the state police and you do something that most other officers don't do, they they kind of make you um, the resident expert. And um, my concern was always animal cruelty. And um, when police go through the academy, they don't get the training in the cruelty laws because they are... Um, found in ag and markets, ag and markets law, and um, the police learn the penal law, criminal procedure law, and vehicle and traffic when they go through the academy. They get very little, if any, training on the agriculture and market laws. So um, actually, the law does state that it is up to the police um, under Section 371 of the agriculture and market law, it states that it's up to the police in New York State um, to make arrests for for animal cruelty. We must. Um, SPCA's humane societies um, are private organizations. They're not under any federal or state mandate to investigate animal cruelty crimes or make arrests for animal cruelty. Um, But a lot of folks in the state, including our legislators um, and police officers and town officials, they aren't aware of this. And um, they will often send a dog control officer out to investigate felony animal cruelty crimes, or else they will send out someone from a humane society who has very little training, if any, um, or a peace officer who works at a humane society or an SPCA. And um, all of those folks are needed by the police. We have to work together. But they should not be going out there by themselves and investigating animal cruelty. Animal cruelty is a crime, just like crimes under the penal law. And they have to be investigated like like they are crimes. A lot of times we don't just take animals off the street. 
if we're handling cases such as dog fighting, you have to establish a crime scene. If you have a case where there's a, a major animal hoarder, you have a crime scene. There has to be video footage, photography. Um, the police have to um, seize evidence, and that could be the animals as well as medications, cages, and they also need to take photographs. This is um, not something that a humane society um, or a dog control officer should be do asked to do or expected to do on their own. Um, they play a role in that um, they impound the animals, the humane societies. They take control of the animals. Anytime you have a case of animal cruelty, the police should be the arresting organization. Um, do the arrest reports, the fingerprint cards, the photographs, collect evidence, and they should work with the humane societies to be the impounding organization to take control of the animals and put them in safe places um, until the outcome of the case. It's similar to what Child Protective Services does when they work with the police. Um, we go with them to investigate crimes against children. We don't expect them to go by themselves. And although they are greatly needed, we have to work together. Unfortunately, the laws are in agriculture and markets, and the police aren't always aware of this. And when they get calls in the station to handle animal cruelty, they often refer it to the local dog control officer. And in New York State, by law, that's all we have is dog control, by law. We do not have animal control. And their only job is to pick up stray and dangerous dogs. Their job is not to be out there investigating animal cruelty. Um, but unfortunately, um, the laws at one time were in the penal law, the penal code it was called back then, many years ago. And they were removed from the penal code, unfortunately, and put in ag and markets. And um, we need to get the law back in the penal law. And there is a bill right now in the assembly, um, sponsored by assembly member Linda Rosenthal. The bill number is A342, and that would put the laws back in the penal law. And then the police would receive uh, the training that they need. So, so let's just that, that is a, let's just back up a little because I learned from an earlier conversation with you. Let's hear about what is in the law now, and then go into what you think would be better for animals. Um, I know when I wrote my editorial, several people who were in cat rescue groups had told me, "Oh, you can run over a cat with your car, and nobody cares. You can keep on going." And then you explained to me, and I looked it up, <laughs> vehicle and traffic law um, says that dogs, cats, horses, and cows, is that right, um, 
are t- tell us what's in vehicle and traffic law right now and why it's often ignored when it comes to cats. Um, the vehicle and traffic law um, does state under Section 601 that any person who strikes or injures any horse, dog, cat, or any animal classified as cattle shall stop and endeavor to locate the owner of the animal. Um, and also, if they cannot locate the owner, to report um, the incident to the police um, in their area and um, endeavor to make appropriate action. The problem is, if they report the um, incident to the police, because we only have dog control officers in New York State and not animal control, um, dog control officers are told by their town officials, don't go out there and pick up injured and sick cats. Leave them there. But cats, on the other hand, are classified under the agriculture and market law as companion animals under Section 350 of the New York State Agriculture and Market Law. It's a felony to injure a cat, the same as a dog. They are all considered companion animals by law, even if they are considered by some people uh, feral. They're all domesticated. Unless you're talking about a bobcat or a lynx, um, all cats, even if they were born in a barn and were never handled by humans, they are domesticated. Most people don't understand what domesticated means. That's thousands of years of selective breeding. It's not something that happens overnight. Um, and cats, um, by law, should have the same, and they do have the same, status as companion animals, as dogs. Yet, there are no um, animal control officers. So the law needs to change. That would be Article 7 of um, the New York State Agriculture and Market Law. That law would have to change um, from dog control officers to animal control officers so that cats are not dumped on the streets to fend for themselves. Um, that is abandonment. That's abandonment under the New York State Agriculture and Market Law. Animal shelters have no legal authority to invite people in to remove cats to be dumped on the street. They have to be treated just like dogs. There's a section under the New York State Agriculture and Market Law under Section 374 that states that humane societies must either adopt out pets that they receive in their care and control. They must either adopt them out, return them to the owner, or provide them with humane euthanasia. They cannot just refuse them, let them go out there in the streets um, to live like wildlife, because they are not wildlife. And they will just die. They will die out there. They'll die a slow death. They cannot live on the streets like, say, a fisher or a fox or a lynx or a bobcat. You don't see those animals near people 
unless we're putting food out, then we attract wild animals in. But when you have a lot of domesticated cats out there in the streets, they don't go off in the woods. They stay close to people because they're domesticated. They want to be near us. They want to be with us. But we, we do need... Um, so that, that's the section in the vehicle and traffic law. And then tell us about what is currently in the ag and markets law. And then we'll look at, you know, how it could be better um, if it were in the penal law. But what, what is there now that would protect cats and could be used by police if they knew how? <laughs> Well, what is in the agriculture and market law right now is um, the definition of <coughs> companion animal, which is any dog or cat, and also abandonment. It states that any person who abandons any animal um, is guilty of a misdemeanor, and that applies to any animal, dogs or cats. Um, but, the, again, um, the laws that are in ag and markets... Um, there is a section which is used most of the time, Section 353, which states that um, it's a misdemeanor to unjustifiably injure, mutilate, beat, or kill any animal, whether wild or tame. Um, and this Section 353 applies to any animal not just dogs and cats. It applies to farm animals. It applies to wildlife. If people were to torture a bird, take a bird, for instance, and torture it, they could be arrested under 353, and that is in the agriculture and market law. However, um, because these laws are under the agriculture and market law, the police don't see them. Some of them never use them. They don't get the proper training in how to apply these laws. There's laws under section, under the agriculture and market law that make it, make it a felony um, to injure any companion animal, any dog or cat, or any other animal that's considered a companion. If you have a pet rabbit, if that animal is, is injured um, by someone for no justifiable purpose, injured or killed, then it would be a felony. But these are laws that are in the agriculture and market law. They should be in the penal law, where the police will learn these laws and learn how to apply them. Um, the laws are very vague. They're vague because they apply to every animal except a human being. That's what the definition states. The anti-cruelty laws in New York State apply to every animal. Any animal that is being unjustifiably injured or killed. Um, so that's, that's what we need to be concerned with. We need to have legislation that will change the agriculture and market law and put it in the penal law and make dog control officers animal control officers. And also, that will 
transfer these sections of law back to the penal law where they once were. Um, There's old case. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you do a lot of training workshops for law enforcement, and you were giving me earlier a very extreme example. I think you said it was a rabid raccoon that was in a mall parking lot, and um, a police car, I guess, with the officer being afraid of rabies, you know, repeatedly ran over the animal with a car. And if you could just kind of highlight some of the things, even with the laws it is now, because it's so hard to get legislation, but what what officers could be doing now, the kinds of things that you teach when you do these workshops that would educate um, the police that are out there now trying to do their job, but just maybe haven't been trained with the sorts of things you do in your workshop on um, ways to enforce what's there now. Well, I um, taught myself these laws when I went through the academy um, back in 1978. There really wasn't training on how to handle animal cruelty and uh, so the organization that I'm affiliated with, the New York State Humane Association, um, together and with with uh, some DAs in this area, um, we put together a manual for police on investigating animal cruelty, and that's on the website of the New York State Humane Association. And also different forms that can be used as examples for police that they can download um, on writing um, criminal complaints, getting search warrants, forms that veterinarians can use, because police need examples. And if they've never worked on a case of animal cruelty, you have live evidence. And unless they've actually handle these cases, they need a place to go, a reference point. And um, this is one of the few that I'm aware of in in the state. So I would say that any police officers that are out there, um, they should, you know, check out the website of the New York State Humane Association, and um, they can print any of the forms that that we have there and read our manual. It it has uh, quite a bit of information that um, was collected by, as I said, district attorneys um, and veterinarians, um, as well as other police officers on how to handle animal cruelty. So that that is available to police officers. And um, I would say that if they have a case of animal cruelty in their area, um, they should reach out to um, the local humane societies and SPCAs for assistance. Mm-hmm. Reach out to their local dog control officers for assistance, and they should get to know these people before something happens. Get to know who the reputable rescue groups are in your area. There's many groups that are very reputable. Um, There are some that aren't, just like everything else. But 
don't wait until you have a situation where where you have to seize 60 cats or 30 horses and you have no place to put these animals if you have to remove them. So that's the advice that I would give them. Get to know these other folks in the area that work with animals and make sure that before you ask them for assistance, you check out their facilities. And if someone is a, claims to be a rescue person and they don't let you on their property or wherever they're keeping these animals, then that isn't the person I would um, ask um, to assist me. Do you have um, two things have come to mind as you've just been talking. Um, one is your website, which is the website of the New York State Humane Society, which is association, I mean, which is just filled with fascinating information. And one um, lengthy paper that I read through yesterday, it might enlighten people who aren't sort of animal people, why they should care about this. There's a paper by Dr. Harold Hovell on the site that um, makes very clear the connection between animal abuse and human violence. Um, it's just filled with research and charts and graphs that show this direct line between the basic thesis is that you know, no one's born to torture animals, but that kids learn behavior. And there's all sorts of parallels drawn between both um, violent crime and nonviolent crime and the abuse of animals that I just found fascinating. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yes, that's something that has been widely recognized for many years. Um by many police agencies, and including the FBI, that animal cruelty is a bridge crime. And it just stands to reason that if people are torturing children or torturing animals, um, there's, there's a problem. And if the teachers are aware that this is happening, kids go to their teacher and say, Jimmy Smith um, set his dog on fire, That that's a a red flag, and somebody should be looking into it before, you know, the problem escalates. And um, <clears throat> animal cruelty is a bridge crime, and if it's ignored, it leads to other crimes. Um, most, if not all, of the, si the serial killers started out torturing animals. Jeffrey Dahmer used to cut off dogs' heads and post them in the backyard on fence posts and I think it was David Berkowitz, a son of Sam, that would put dogs in orange crates and shoot arrows through them. And um, there's, you can read about all these serial killers and the hideous things they did to animals, and nobody thought anything about it. And also cases that I have personally been on myself um, where animals were abused. There's violence going on in the home. Women and children could be getting abused. Uh, children could be abused when we hear about animal cruelty, when we hear about animals being set on fire, cats being thrown off of balconies, um, cats being hung, different things like that. There, there's definitely a se very 
serious problem there, and we we do need to go and um, check out the family because it's not going to be a good situation most of the time, and that also applies to neglect. I've gone to um, properties where there's been 10 or 15 dogs on chains outside with little or no food. I had one case where a guy was getting roadkill animals, scraping them up off the streets, and that's what he was feeding his dogs that were chained up outside. And um, these dogs were barely alive, and um, he was actually breeding them and selling the puppies, which were sick, and that's how we found out about it. But when we went to the property, we, we found out that, of course, the living conditions were horrendous there, and the children that were there um, were also in bad shape. And we, we had to contact CPS, and this has happened to me personally many times where I've been in houses where there's been animal hoarders, animals living in filth and dirt, and you'll go in and find they have children in the residence, maybe elderly people, and um, and so we end up calling in adult services and child protective services. So it definitely does lead to other crimes, and that's one of the reasons why the police need to investigate these things. I've gone into houses where they they had a dog fighting pit in the basement, um, and they were fighting dogs, and you see their yard. They, the dog fighters call it a yard, a yard of pit bulls in the backyard that they use for fighting. And um, we, we get a search warrant based on the um, implements of fighting that we see outside, spring poles, they hang them from trees so that the dog can jump up on these long um, spring-type devices and jump up and down, and they grab a hold of the end of them. It usually has some kind of a hide on it. They jump up and down to strengthen their jaw muscles for fighting. And you see these things hanging and other implements used to train dogs. So we go in and um, we, we get guns and drugs. I mean, these are criminals, these people. They're outlaws, and they're going to have guns and drugs. They're into fighting dogs. It's a big enterprise. Some of these dogs, these grand champion fighting dogs that I have seized have gone for $10,000. So this is something that shouldn't be taken lightly. So what has kept you at it all these years? It sounds like a very difficult job. You're experiencing a lot of pain and torture that you seem to be very sensitive to. I mean, how how do you steel yourself and proceed with this work? It's, it's no different than working at an animal shelter every day or being a doctor and dealing with trauma or... or um, Being a veterinarian and having to deal with animal suffering, I I think that um, you have to go with the attitude and other folks that I work with feel the same way. You You have to go with the attitude that you're making things better. When I go to a place where animals are suffering, um, my goal is to end their suffering one way or another. It's not 
to save every animal, and I know some people don't understand that, but we can't save every animal. Um, I've worked in animal shelters even while, when I was a state trooper. I volunteered part-time at animal shelters, and um, we couldn't save every animal. But the shelter that I worked at at the time, we didn't turn anything away. Um, at the end of the day, we, we might have had to euthanize some animals, um, but they were no longer suffering. They died a pain a painless death, and they died a death with dignity and in, in the arms of people who love them. And uh, they didn't know that they weren't going to wake up. It's no different than putting an animal out to, to spay it, spay or neuter it, or do an operation. They wake up. Um, animals that are suffering or unwanted or extremely dangerous, um, we need to end their suffering as Pet owners, we have an obligation to see that animals don't suffer, and we have to we have to uh, abide by that at all costs, and do the very best that we can for them, even when the public might might not understand um, why we do what we do when we're in this field. Yeah, one of the papers on the New York State Humane Association looks at, um, it's called A Closer Look at No-Kill Animal Shelters, and it makes the argument that the solution is no birth rather than no kill. Could you just talk a little about that? Um, well, they're right. That's the ideal solution, no births. Wouldn't that be great? Um, but that's not reality. Mm-hmm. We're bringing in dogs from the South. We're bringing in dogs from Kentucky, North Carolina, other places down South. Um, kittens are being born. They're being cats are being um, abandoned. Bring it to their college dorm, and at the end of the year, they abandon them. There's cats running all over on college dorms, unspayed. They're having kittens under porches. There are puppy mills in New York State that we cannot control the breeding of these dogs. There's no control on these puppy mills, how many dogs they breed. There's no way to check on them. So that is impossible. We are never going to have no births. and I, I wish, I, I hope I could live to see the day when there's no births. But the shelters that say there are no kill, um, they're, they really uh, do euthanize, I would say. Most of them do some euthanasia. There's no getting around it. You can't save every sick animal that's in your shelter. And so they have to euthanize animals, um, and and when you have a shelter that turns away animals um, because they're full, if you're a strong no-kill shelter, you're going to start turning away animals. Well, a lot of times those animals are going to die on the street. They're going to go home to somebody that doesn't want them and be abused. Um, 
or their life is not going to be a pleasant one. So I don't agree with these shelters. I understand um, why they try to do what they do, but um, I don't like the term no-kill or high-kill shelters. I think it isolates us from each other, and we all need to work together. And um, the shelters that do euthanize, um, they're not turning away animals. They're accepting animals, which is what happened when where I used to work many years ago. And um, we did the best for the animals. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about making the public happy. It, it wasn't about giving people a false idea that all animals are going to have a happy life because they don't. And for some of them, humane euthanasia is um, its the only solution. I know of places where they've had dogs that are not adoptable because they're dangerous in shelters, locked in cages for their entire life, 10 years, 12 years. And these dogs are going around in circles. And I'm wondering who thinks that's humane. So we have to have shelters that are responsible and do the best thing for the animals and not what satisfies the public out there who have no clue on this entire um, problem. So you've mentioned several times earlier when you were saying police should get to know the rescue groups in their area and now talking about different practices and shelters in an ideal world, which I know <laughs> we're not in. Should there be some kind of legislation or regulatory body to administer or oversee how shelters and rescue groups are run? Do you think that would help, you know, to have some kind of oversight for these? Uh, they seem to be largely volunteer and um, with different levels of care and different rules that they run by. Yes, there, there is very little, if any, oversight for rescues. Right now, nobody is checking on rescues in New York State. Anybody can apply for a 501c3 and call themselves a rescue and start getting money, donations, and um, nobody's checking on their place until somebody reports that there's a problem there. Animal shelters um, are regulated if they have a contract with the municipality to take in stray dogs. That's the reason why they get checked by ag and markets um, once a year, and they will go in and check on on the dogs. Um, I don't think they even check on the cats, but they will check on the dogs if they have a contract. There are some private humane societies that don't have a contract to take dogs, so they're not checked by anybody. And um, I believe that any entity that's taking control of animals um, should be checked. They should be checked out. They should be licensed. And um, I know that wildlife rehabilitators, I was one myself for 15 years. I had to have a license. And um, 
conservation officers would stop by my house. I had to allow them access to my facility. Um, I had a, a section of my basement sectioned off for the care of wild animals as well as my yard. Um, I had 40 acres at the time. And um, I had to allow them on my property. If you are running a clean operation, you should welcome these people because they have a lot of helpful information usually and advice. The people that work at Ag and Markets, the veterinarians that are there, I think Ag and Markets should get more funding. I think they have like eight or nine veterinarians for the entire state of New York. They should have a veterinarian um, at least two for every county, and they should be able to go and check on all of these facilities. They should all be licensed. Anybody that is taking in animals, um, and if you have a veterinarian coming to visit you and check out your facility, I mean, that's almost like having free vet care. You have somebody coming that can offer advice, that can tell you, um, this dog looks like it's getting sick, or this one ha- has a skin problem, or these animals need their, their toenails clipped. They, they could be helping you, and we could be avoiding a lot of these situations where it gets to the point when you have to bring in the police and take animals away. As a police officer, I never, I never wanted to take people's animals away. I don't think any of, of the police want to do that. That's the last thing we want to do is have to deal with a case like that. It's overwhelming. So, yes, I believe that every one of them should be regulated. Well, our time has gone so fast. Do you have any closing thoughts for people? This has been so informative. <laughs> uh No other than I hope that everyone calls their legislators um, and asks that they support this bill, A342, sponsored by uh, Assemblymember Linda Rosenthal, which would put the anti-cruelty laws into the penal law. I know that would make a significant difference because it would be in the law that police are trained on routinely when they go through the academy and go back for any in-service training. So if that happens, if that law passes, it will be a, make some very positive uh, changes for animals in New York State. Well, thank you both for your expertise and for your years of dedicated work for the welfare of animals. Thank you for having me on your show.